Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Thank you, Courtney. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Terrible. I heard that first. That's good. Well, hopefully I don't just add to that. Uh, My name is Matt. Uh, so I've been a youth pastor at Harvest for uh, three years, Harvest Community Church in Camas, and then um, I've been at that church for nine years. Uh, I am married, and I think there's a slide of my, a picture of me and my wife. That is Kathleen. We've been married for three years. Okay, here's the thing. So anybody football fans, football fans here? Is there anybody that would be brave enough to say they're a Packers fan as well? Yeah, favorite person in the room. Ah, yeah, I like it. Who's Seahawks fans? Oh, those, yeah. Not like 10 years ago you weren't. Okay, so this was just on Monday night. I got to go to the Packers game in Wisconsin at Lambeau Field when they won. So I show that because my voice is still coming back. So hopefully I don't lose it. Um, But my wife is awesome. Uh, She is my biggest supporter. um, And I'm just proud of her every single day. Um, We have two, uh, two pets. And that's just a little bit about me. You can go on to the next slide now. So We're in a series, it sounds like, here at Citizens, um, going through Proverbs and looking at different types of people, different characters that Proverbs reveals to us. So I want us to do something together first. What you didn't know tonight is where you sat was super important. It's critical to what is about to happen. So what I need you to do is reach underneath your seat and see if you feel something. If so, be careful. You can remove it. It would be a dollar bill, most likely. The Camus pastor comes in with a dollar, handing out dollar bills. How cliche. If you found a dollar bill under your seat, will you please stand up? Stand up if you found one. Or you could like reach, hey, we got a couple. Give these people a hand that are standing. There may be some over in that area too. We've got, found a dollar. Okay. There's a lot of dollars hiding then. That's for sure. So. People that are standing, people that are standing, if you have that dollar, you guys with me? If you have that dollar, you have a choice right now. You have a choice. I want you to look at the person on your right. Look at the person on your right. You can choose right now to either give them that dollar or you can keep it. You have three seconds to make that decision. Three Two, one. All right, that's it. That's all we got. Raise your hand if you decided to give it away. Raise your hand. Be honest. That is awesome. Let's give these people a hand for giving away that dollar. Now, there is no shame. We are talking about the greedy person. Uh oh. Um, There's no shame in this. If you decided to keep the dollar, raise your hand. Hey, let's clap for those people too. So, Here's the thing, when we talk about greed, I think we think about greed sometimes as just someone who doesn't want to give their money to someone else. And that's not necessarily greed. Like what these people did if they kept the dollar for themselves, 
That's not necessarily greed. That actually could be called smart. They just got a free dollar. They just started their college fund, right? That's pretty sweet that they got a free dollar. Just not giving money away means that someone is a greedy person. Greed is a bigger problem that the Bible gets at. Greed doesn't start with what we do on the outside. It starts with our hearts. Um, there's another word that the Bible uses for greed a lot of the time. It's, it's coveting or being covetous, which means what other people have, you want. So much so that you would ra- rather they not have it if it meant you having it. Greed is about desire. It's about something rising to the surface that you want to do all that you can to gain that thing. It could be money. A lot of the time it is money. It could be power. It could be status. It could be control. It could be relationship. You're just greedy for for that person to give you attention. You're greedy with your time, not wanting to share it with others. When I was, um, I think, four or five Uh, Before I really started thinking about money or power or status, my world revolved around Legos. Anybody else at that age, Legos? Yes, totally. So I would play Legos with uh, my good buddy, Josh. And Josh had a lot more Legos than me. He was, he was a little bit older than I was, so he had been, like, stashing up his collection for a while. And one time he gets this new set. It's this submarine, and they're like these submarine pirates, And not only that, but they're like neon submarine pirates. How cool is that? Um, If my wife knew that, she would not have married me, that I would have thought that was so cool. Uh, But there was one piece, yes, there was one piece in this set that I thought was so dope. I thought this little neon hook hand that this guy has, the piece is like this big, right, was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And so I made sure when we're playing Legos, like I get the guy that has that and I'm, we're playing and stuff. He ends up leaving the room for a second to either go to the bathroom or talk to his mom. And then there's that moment, that moment that hopefully none of you have ever had in this room, but you realize, hmm, it's just me and this neon hook hand right now. What if this tiny little piece of Lego ended up in my pocket and ended up in my Lego collection instead of Josh's? And I did, I took it. And I remember driving home, being so thrilled that this thing now I possessed, this awesome tiny little piece of Lego now was mine. And I remember like, like four seconds later in the car, I start bawling and crying, mom, I stole, right? And then just like freak out because I couldn't keep it in. But when we have greed, when we want something that someone else has, or when when we want money or status or power, and it rises to the surface of this is what I'm going to live for, this is what I'm going to go after, sometimes people in our lives, as we'll see in Proverbs, the people around us just become barriers and speed bumps to us getting that thing. In that moment, I didn't care about Josh. I didn't care about how he felt if I took that or if I gained that. All I was thinking about as what it would do for me. When something, uh, the longing for something rises to the top of our priorities, when we become fixated on it, that's usually a good, uh, a good indicator that we're in a state of being greedy for that thing, that that thing is more important to us than anything else, even people. So we're talking about the greedy person tonight. 
Um, and during your series, it sounds like you've talked about two things as we look at different types of people. One kind of being like in your schools, in your world, in your lives, who am I, what types of people are, are in my circle? Like, who do I hang out with? Maybe as you've been going through this, you, you found out like, oh, I've got some friends that are really wise, and I've got some friends that are straight up fools, right? Like, and, and, and realizing that's who is in your circle. That's who's closest to you. But also in this series, whenever a person or a character in the Bible is displayed, it's not just for us to put other people into categories and to figure out what other people are like. It's, for, it's to be a mirror for us too. For God to ask us the question, what if that might be you, Matt? What if that might be some of you here? What if I struggle with greed? What if we struggle with greed too? So I'm gonna pray for us because I need it. Um, and we just want God to be a part of this. And then we'll be in Proverbs chapter 28 after I come out of prayer. Proverbs 28. God, would you help me to be a blessing to this group? Um, I don't know them, they don't know me. And, and yet, we all serve the same God. And we thank you, God, that, that uh, as much as I could assume or guess at where some of these people are at in this room, you, you know, you fully know where each of us is at with you, with greed, um, and, and just where we're at in life. So we come to the God who knows us and cares for us, and we ask you to speak. Would you help me to... to to bless you in this, Lord, to, to honor you with what I say and to be an encouragement and a help to these students and staff here in your name, amen. Um, I've known, uh, this is total side note, I've known Sam for a couple years and I, I wanna make sure to tell you guys, you guys have such a good youth pastor. Like he's just such a good dude. Uh, we've only hung out a couple times, but every time I've hung out with Sam, there's something that I come away with that has changed how I am a youth pastor as well. He's encouraged me or challenged me even. It's the first time we ever met. The dude like challenged me. He was like, Matt, you're kind of thinking this, but bam, this, like mic dropping. I'm like, Ugh. and then, and, but then I had to think about like what he shared. And it's so awesome that you guys have such a real dude that's willing, um, that's just willing week in, week out to pour out his life and his heart for you guys. So I just wanted to encourage you from another youth pastor. You guys are taken care of really stinking well. Okay, Proverbs 28. It's near the middle of the Bible, right after Psalms, before Ecclesiastes. And I'm gonna start at verse 20. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good, yet a man will do wrong for a piece of bread. A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. He who robs his father or mother and says, it's not wrong, he is a partner to him who destroys. A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. When the wicked rise to power, people go into hiding, but when the wicked perish, the righteous thrive. 
So what we have going on in Proverbs a lot of the time is, is Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs kind of looking at two different types of people and kind of like comparing and contrasting them. Um, here, kind of like the big picture is they're talking about a righteous person, one that walks in God's ways and follows God's ways, what is good, and a person who is wicked, someone who doesn't. And maybe more specifically, it talks about someone who's generous someone who's giving that they're following God's ways in, in that specific category, and then someone who is greedy, someone who's stingy, someone who, who doesn't share what they have and has these things on a pedestal in their lives running after them as hard as they can. So let's kind of break this down. Let's look at verse 20 really quick. Verse 20 of 28 and, and we really only have time to kind of focus on the greedy person in it. But it says, it talks about someone who's eager to get rich and they will not go unpunished. That's kind of a weird thing to say. Someone that's just eager, who has this desire to get rich, they won't go unpunished. And most likely, one of the things that this means is the writer knows what it takes to get rich usually means that you are doing some things that are not okay probably stepping on people, stepping over people, kind of skirting the line of what's right and what isn't, or just flat out doing wrong things in order to get yourself to the top. And that maybe in this life, you'll be punished for that. Also, what this could be saying is if this person's thing, the thing that's in their heart, what they desire most is to be rich, and it is not God, it is not his ways, and, and knowing ultimately that he's our savior, that also won't be unpunished when we stand before him one day and we give an account for our life. Verse 21 talks about showing partiality or favoritism to people. That, that one of the symptoms or one of the signs of a greedy person is they're a sweet talker. They're a you-know-what kisser, right? They, they want to be on people's good side. They, they want to show, they want to be, partial to someone that comes in that's dressed really nice or rolls up in the Rolls Royce or whatever the car might be. They want to know that person and be friends with them. I remember having friends who had like season tickets to the Blazers. Um, and I, I, well, actually they weren't my friends. I remember knowing people who I'm like, I want to be friends with you. And then like you do whatever you can to know them and be partial to them because they have something that you want. The greedy use people a lot of the time for their own gain and not for the other person's benefit. Verse 22, they're stingy and unwilling to give. Um, that, that ultimately it says that, that if they're stingy and unwilling to give, ultimately they're gonna be bankrupt at some point. They're gonna lose it all, maybe in this life, but for sure when they die, no matter what we gain for ourselves that this world has to offer, whether it's money, power, fame, success, status, 4.0, college degree, whatever we gain that's earthly in this life, when we die, we don't take it with us. We go bankrupt. Every single one of us loses everything that, that is physical that we've gained here on this earth at some point. The rich included, all their money, all their wealth is gone with them when they die. 23, again, talks about verse 23, flattering lots of people, being people-pleasing. Verse 24 talks about robbing their mom and dad and justifying it. 
Like they go so far in their greed that the people potentially closest to them, they're willing to take from their mother, from their father and say, it's not wrong. I have this coming. It really should be my money. My allowance isn't that much. Do you know how hard I worked to wash that one plate that one time? I deserve this money. I did that in high school. I stole from my parents. And I would justify it, thinking they have enough. I don't, this isn't, they're not even gonna notice that it's there because I need this more than them. A symptom of greed is ultimately saying that I'm more important than everybody else's needs. Verse uh, 25, it talks about the greedy cause dissension or arguments or disagreements. They get hung up on little things that shouldn't matter. They get hung up on cents. They get hung up on, on a dollar. They get hung up on, on things that really matter in their worlds. For instance, if, if they're all about getting rich, if somebody owes them money, they are gonna make sure they pay that back and be on it over and over and over again. And it causes disagreements and arguments. They're not, uh, they're not giving to people or good to people. It's all about how that you are an interruption to their world and what they're running after. Verse 26, they trust in money or power and ultimately in trusting in these things that it's going to give us the good life or it's going to satisfy us or complete us. When we trust in other things, we're ultimately trusting in ourselves as well, saying that I can accomplish this. I can gain this. If I work hard enough, if I do enough, if I'm good enough, then finally I'll be whole. Then finally I'll be loved. Then finally I'll be complete. The greedy trust in themselves. Verse 27, the greedy close their eyes to the poor. Others, other people's problems are non-existent to them because the only thing that matters is their problem, that they don't have enough of what they're running after. Verse 28, the greedy or the wicked, when they rise to power, when they're at the top, when they're the top dog, everybody else hides because they know that this person is not a good person. Whatever they did to get here was probably real sketch and real shady. And so you need to hide. You need to be afraid of what this person is going to do and what they're capable of. As we kind of get the prognosis of what the greedy person is like, as we get some of these characteristics, maybe some of you are already like, oh yeah, I know that guy in my class. Or yeah, my brother or sister, or that girl on the volleyball team, or that guy on the basketball team, they are all about that. They're all about their spot on the team. They're all about like this college, their world revolves completely around it. They're all about being rich, or they're all about having the right clothes, or they're all about the status or whatever it may be. And maybe you've been on the flip side of some of these characteristics as well, the flip side of experiencing when it feels like you're just a barrier or a burden or just something that's getting in the way of whatever they're running after. Maybe you've been treated poorly by someone that, that you thought was a friend or you thought was family, but ultimately it just felt like you were in their way or they were using you to get something that they wanted, that their heart was running after because greed was the thing that was rising to the surface in their life. 
One time uh, when I was in college, I think my first year of college, uh, I was talking to this girl um, via Facebook, so cool. Um, and, and so we, we started talking, and then we met up for coffee, and I kind of liked her. I thought she liked me. We meet up again, and she worked at this tanning salon. I had never been to a tanning salon, and never have still, as you can tell. Um, never been, and she kept wanting me to like go to this tanning salon. And, and, and we weren't dating or anything like that. We were just talking and kind of seeing where we were at. You know, Facebook status hadn't been changed. Um, and so I meet her at this tanning salon one time, and she's, like, really trying to get me to get a tan. And, like, I'm pasty for a reason. Like, I'm not going to look any better if, I, I, if I'm tan, right? Like, this, I just, what would my friends say? What would, you know, whatever. I'm just not going to do it. And ultimately, she gets really mad at me. And then, like, when I leave, she doesn't talk to me again. It came to me later, this girl got commission off of every tan that she would get people to buy. And she was totally just trying to get me to tan, pretend to like me, all this stuff, so she would get some money out of it. Maybe some of you have friends like that, people like that in your lives, where you're like, I think they really care about me. I think they really like me. But when push comes to shove, you keep feeling used or you keep feeling like, like they don't really care for your feelings, for who you are, how you're doing whatsoever. They care about this thing instead. As you think about your closest friends, do some of them fit this characteristic of being a greedy person? And what I tell you in that is probably, I'm not saying cut off these relationships or don't be friends with these people, but maybe reevaluate kind of the expectations that you have for that friendship and think, man, the kind of friend I'm hoping that they will be for me, will they actually be that? Can they actually give me in return and what I hope to have in a friendship where I care for them and they care for me in return? It's mutual, right? When you have someone that fits that mold in your life of the greedy person, you're gonna get let down time and time again. But some good news for you is that Jesus, one of the people that was closest to him in his in inner circle was a greedy person. There's a guy named Judas, right? Some of you have probably heard about Judas before. Judas followed Jesus around for three years. Judas performed miracles. Judas taught people about the Messiah, about the Savior, about the King. He looked like he was doing all the right stuff, but there was something beneath the surface in Judas's life that was a huge issue. Judas cared about money. So much so that when it push came to shove, Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver Jesus then being arrested, taken away to be crucified. And it cost Judas his life too. He took his own life because of the shame and guilt and remorse that he had. But the cool thing that I see about Jesus in this, the hope for us in this, is Jesus knew that Judas was a greedy person from the second he first invited him to be his disciple. He knew that in his heart but he didn't cast him away. He didn't have nothing to do with him just because Judas was greedy, but he still invited him into relationship with him. 
But I think Jesus also had the right expectations for what this relationship with Judas was going to look like, how it was going to go. Jesus' model to us, if there's greedy people in our life, isn't just to push them out and have nothing to do with them, but still invite them into relationship, but have some realistic goals and expectations of what that relationship is going to look like and that probably these people could really let us down and hurt us at times. So, what do we do, though? If we keep these people in our inner circle, if we have these people as friends, like, how do we not give into the temptation to, in turn, be greedy people or to fall into some of their ways or how they live, right? Like, who, who you hang out with, that's, like, who you are or, or what you do a lot of the time. Turn back to Proverbs 23, a couple chapters. Proverbs 23, it gives this cool picture of how we can be mindful when we're among people who, who may be greed or riches or wealth or power or fame is their thing that they're running after, how we can guard ourselves into falling into that same thing. Proverbs 23 verse one says this, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So Proverbs gives this picture now of this table where there's this person who, who's a big deal, right? They're a ruler, they're rich, they're powerful, they're, uh, they're, they've got the fame, they've got the status, they've got everything that the world could ever say, this is who you want to be, this is what you want to run after. And they've invited you to hang out with them. And on this table laid before you is all these, whether it's awesome food or status or things, it's, 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 the, um, it's the stuff of this world that, that you just see on other people, whether it's the right shoes or the right jacket or the right purse or the right phone or the right car, all of it's laid before you. And this ruler saying, join me in this meal. And the writer of Proverbs says, when you're in that close proximity with that person and them inviting you to indulge yourself into all the things that this world has to offer, it's better that you like keep a knife. This, like, um, this imagery he gives, better to keep a knife to your throat. So instead of giving into temptation, it's better that you're just like, no, I'm done, I'm off, I'm out. Really drastic imagery. He's saying like, don't give into the temptation of greed. Don't let yourself be carried away into this snowball effect where you just have a little taste here and a little taste there, and the next thing you know, you're gorging yourself with everything that the world has to offer. It talks about how riches are, just glance at them, because they're going to be there one second, and they're gone the next. Anything that the world has to offer us, whether it's the best relationship, or it is that 4.0, or it is, you know, whatever it could be, and even good, good things, if that becomes the thing that, that we put all of our strength and all of our, our might, all of our energy towards, it's going to fail us and let us down. It will be there one second and gone the next. 
So Proverbs instructs, instructs us, if we have these people in our inner circle, be mindful not to fall into the temptation of the drawing in. The temptation of these things is that we would trust in them instead of trusting in God. Whenever greed becomes something that, that is in our hearts, ultimately, it, ultimately it's saying, you need this because God isn't going to provide for you. You need that because God doesn't care about you that much. God really doesn't love you enough and doesn't know the desires of your heart. That God's good isn't as good as what this world has to offer. You should follow after this. You should run hard after that instead. The temptation is to put our trust in other things instead of God. There's a story in Luke chapter 18 of a rich young ruler. This young dude got it all, right? Like he's, um, he, he's who everybody wants to be like. And one day he comes to Jesus and, and he asks Jesus a really important question. He asks Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? So he's pretty much asking like, hey, how do I have this life that only you can give Jesus? Life that, that starts now with you and lasts forever. Or, or, or maybe it's just like he, he's talking about how can I have, have life in heaven, life in God's kingdom forever? What can I do to gain that? And Jesus says, follow the commands. And he's like, I've done that. Ever since I was little, I, I've followed the commands to a T. And then Jesus says, good. Now sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come after me. This man was rich. This man had it all. And Jesus, in a moment, can you imagine? Someone comes up to you, who claims to be the son of God, by the way, comes up to you and says, sell everything you have. As hard as you've worked for that college that you're hoping to get into, I want you to leave it all behind. That spot on the sports team or in that club or in the play that you've put all of your efforts towards, I want you to give it up. Give it away to someone else. Follow after me. And Jesus says this to this man. And I imagine in his mind, this man has, like, has a scale, right? Where there's two things being weighed. His riches, his status, his fame, and this life that Jesus offers. And he's thinking, what am I going to choose? And maybe some of you in this room right now, in this season of life that you're in, you've been thinking too, do I choose the life that Jesus has for me? But I know I'd have to give up some things. I may have to let go of some things that I've run after, or do I choose these things that I think ultimately could fulfill me, could complete me, could make me feel good? But the young man he chooses his riches over Jesus. He chooses his fame. He chooses his wealth. But the crazy thing in this story is he doesn't like skip away and say, woohoo, I've got, I'm rich, whatever, screw you, Jesus, right? Like, no, he doesn't say that. Luke says that he walks away sad, that he looks at what Jesus offers and he actually knows it's better. He knows what Jesus offers him, true and full life now forever and forevermore is better, but
but he chooses his riches because he's run after them so hard for so long, he won't let go. And he walks away sad knowing that he's made the wrong choice, but he's sticking with it. Whenever we choose something that this world has to offer, instead of Jesus, we walk away sad. We lose because it isn't better. And I have done that in my life too many times to count. I've run after girls. I've run after money. I've run after success or fame or whatever it might be. I've run after it all. And every time I walked away sad, it didn't give me what I thought it would. There's another story in Luke 19, and this is where I'll close. In Luke 19, there's a man named Zacchaeus. He too is very rich. He's a tax collector. So he works um, for the Roman government, even though he's a Jewish man. He works for the Roman government, and he's like the IRS of his time. He collects taxes. A lot of you, you're going to get to experience that soon. Have fun. It's so great. Um, But he collects taxes. The thing is, though, most likely what he does is when he collects taxes from the people, he charges them more than he actually should and pockets the rest for himself. Or he says, hey, you're late by two minutes. I'm kind of like making this up, but maybe this is what he, he, he did. You're late. That's going to be a $30 fee. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a cheat because his focus is on riches. He's greedy. He fits the Proverbs bill to a T. He doesn't care about those who are poor or oppressed that are in hard or difficult situations. All he cares about is what he wants because that's what's most important. But one day, Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is in town. And for whatever reason, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. And Zacchaeus, he was short. He was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. And, oh gosh, I could keep doing it. He climbs up a tree. I won't sing it anymore. He climbs up a tree to see Jesus. And and most likely because he needed to get a better view because of the crowd surrounding Jesus. But also my guess is anytime he came around, people wanted nothing to do with Zacchaeus. And so they weren't gonna let him through to get closer to see Jesus. So he climbs up this tree to get a better view of Jesus. And Jesus, being Jesus, knows exactly where Zacchaeus is. And as he's teaching or just walking and talking to these people, he stops. He looks up to Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. I'm going to your house to hang out and we're gonna share a meal together. So Jesus goes over to Zacchaeus' house and all these other people go. It's probably kind of like a party, right? That ends up happening over at Zacchaeus's, like a cool dinner party. And we don't know exactly what happens there. We don't know what Jesus says to Zacchaeus. We don't know if they talk a whole ton. We don't know if Jesus gets up and teaches. But all of a sudden, during this dinner party, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, if I have ever stolen from anyone, I will give them back what I stole and four times the amount that I gave them and I'm gonna sell half of everything I own and give it to the poor. Zacchaeus, when he was confronted with Jesus, with the life that Jesus offers, when he was confronted with the Messiah, when he was confronted with the Savior, when he was confronted with God, he recognizes what God has is so much better 
than what I've been running after. And this is where the mirror flips from us looking out to the people that we surround ourselves with. But we look in the mirror at ourselves and recognize, have I been the greedy person? Is there something in my life that I've been running after, that I've let elevate to the surface, that even I haven't treated people as they should? I've used people. I've, I've just treated people as barriers or speed bumps to ultimately get to the thing that I want. I'm like the rich young ruler. I'm like Zacchaeus. I'm like the rich young ruler in the sense that at times I've turned away from Jesus and said, I don't want what you have. I'm choosing this instead. Or you're like Zacchaeus and your whole life is about just running after this thing no matter what it costs everyone else and what it costs yourself. The good news for the greedy person, whether it's your friends or whether it's you, is that Jesus loves the greedy and invites them to give up what they've been running after and to take hold of him, the life that he has offered us through his death and resurrection, that he took on all the ways that we've hurt others, that we've chosen our own ways, our sin on the cross, and died, had it sealed in the tomb, so that we can be like Zacchaeus, who in an instant, Zacchaeus goes from being a thief, a liar, a cheat, and greedy, to someone who's giving, to someone who's generous, to someone who is sharing what he has with others, thinking of the poor, thinking of those who are helpless, and that God wants to take the very things that we've run after, save us from them, and then send us out to people to be the exact opposite person towards them, to be someone who is kind, to be someone who is compassionate, to be someone who knows that they have more than enough in Jesus, so why would we not share that with the people around us? Zacchaeus trusted Jesus with his needs. He, he trusted Jesus with the power that he had. He trusted Jesus with the control that he thought he had over his life and ultimately let go of it and said, Jesus, I want what you have inste instead. Jesus is the epicenter of everything that we truly want. The epicenter of love, compassion, relationship, goodness, kindness. Jesus is the center of all those things. And he invites us to stop pursuing the things of this world, to not have these greedy desires, and instead to pursue him. So where are the scales at for you? tonight? Do you feel like it's tipping one way or another? Or have you felt that already it's slammed to the other side and you've just chased after what the world has? Jesus's invitation to you is to turn back and look at him and choose him instead and let him change you, change your desires from the inside out. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are and that, God, you aren't greedy, that you continually give. You've given us your son, his blood shed on the cross. You've given us your spirit so that we might actually be able to follow you, not on our own, 
but by your power. You've given us your words to us, Lord. You've revealed yourself to us so that we might know who you are. And God, you've given us grace. You are the God who gives of yourself over and over again. And I pray that we would actually receive what you want to give us that we wouldn't hold on to the things of this world, the things that we thought were so important that we've run after and that we've chosen over you, that we've chosen over other people, and instead we would run after you and cling to who you are. And God, I pray for those who have been hurt too, by friends who have, have chosen things of this world over them, family that's chosen things over them. God, I thank you that you displayed how you chose each one of us when your son died on the cross, that you weren't willing, uh, or that you were willing to give it all so that we might have life and relationship with you. Would we not put those expectations on people that they will hold us up or that they will complete us or fulfill us or, or anything like that, but instead see that you're the only one who offers it all to us. As we sing, Lord, would we recognize who you are and say yes to you in your name.